Hey DCL fans, if you're thinking about taking a Disney cruise vacation, consider booking your trip with us. We are independent travel agents affiliated with Mickey World Travel, an authorized Disney vacation planner. Not only can we answer all your questions and help you with all the planning details, but we'll give you some onboard credit up to $1,000 to spend on your trip. That's free money to spend on whatever you want just for booking with us. Spa treatments, port adventures, merchandise, adult beverages. You're going to pay the same whether you book directly with Disney or with the travel agent, so you might as well get some extra spending money to take with you. If you're interested, send us an email at wes at mickeyworldtravel.com. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 53 of the DCL Dude Podcast. My name is Wes, and I have a fantastic show planned for you today. Not that not that all my shows aren't fantastic, but I, uh, I'm especially excited about this one. Um, I was watching a YouTube video one day recently about the addition of the Aqualab to Disney Magic that was added during a dry dock a few years back. It was a video produced by Disney, so they were interviewing um, some a couple of Imagineers who had worked on the Reimagination Project. As I was watching it, I thought, man, it would be really cool to have a Disney Imagineer on my show, but I've... I've tried getting Disney employees on my show in the past and and haven't had much luck so far. So I, I sort of just, um, just tabled the idea, but I, I kept coming back to it and ultimately I decided that it was worth it to give it a try. Long story short, I sent a couple emails and I am extremely fortunate that Disney Imagineer Joe Lanzacero wrote back to me and agreed to come on my show. Joe has worked on many major projects with Disney Cruise Line, and I got the chance to ask him about some of those. We also got into some of his general experiences as a Disney Imagineer, and I I even got to pick his brain a little uh, on the new cruise ship builds. It was really a privilege to speak with Joe, and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. Take a listen. Hey everyone, I'm joined now by former Disney Imagineer Joe Lanzicero. Hi Joe, thanks so much for coming on. I'm really excited to talk to you. Well, Wes, thank you so much for having me. Of course, yes. I think uh, I think my wife might perhaps be uh, be more excited because I'll, I'll finally stop talking about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've, I've been I've been talking to her, you know, all week about about uh, about having this conversation with you. So, uh, really excited to to get going here. So, um, why don't we just start off a little bit about your background? Where did you first get your start with Disney, and I guess kind of what was your role? Uh, well, I, I started with Disney back in 1979. It's a long time ago. Uh, and I started straight out of CalArts. I was really fortunate. I was in the first graduating class of the character animation program that produced a lot of pretty amazing talents. In fact, when I think about it, I, I have to remind myself sometimes <clears throat> whenever I'm feeling a little cocky about things, it's, well, you're an underachiever, Joe, because people like, uh, like John Lasseter, who started Pixar, was in my class. No way. And, and Tim Burton was in uh, <laughs> a class, was in the class right behind me. Wow. And uh, John Musker, who directed Little, Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Hercules and all those films, he was in the class. And, and, and I'm proud to say they're all my friends. And I, and for the most part, still keep in contact with them. It's my, 
much as I can. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty amazing class of students. Um, and, um, fortunately I got picked up straight out of, <clears throat> out of Cal Arts at Disney animation wow. where I worked for seven years as in different capacities, starting of course, like most people, you know, as a, as an in-between, this was back in the days of hand-drawn animation. And, um, and then uh, basically worked, worked my way up, became an animator. Then I was doing story work. And then that was kind of my, um, the way I entered into Imagineering, because we were doing, at the time, this was in the, um, the mid-'80s, uh, early-'80s, actually. We were doing, feature animation was helping Imagineering um, do a lot of the short films for Epcot, because <clears throat> Epcot was under construction mm. and for Tokyo Disneyland, which was also under construction at that time. And so um, I was assigned to a, a special projects unit and I got to do a number of little small films, some of which I, I actually designed and directed myself. One was for the Seas Pavilion. It was this little film called Suited for the Seas, which I don't believe is there any longer. Mm. I think Turtle Talk took over its location. Yeah. Um, and then I did the pre-show for the uh, PSA um, sponsored uh, America the Beautiful, the Circlerama at Disneyland, and I worked on that. So while doing all these, I got to meet the Imagineers, and I got to go over to Imagineering, and uh, I said, wow, you know, they're, they're really having fun over here. And, <laughs> and i got to be honest with you, <clears throat> animation is a very, a very solitary uh, endeavor, oh, really? at least at that time, you know. Yeah, I mean, because you, you get your assignments and you sit in your room and you work for hours on end on a piece of animation or on a storyboard or on the way out, you know, and then you may interact with the director or you might sit in a story meeting. Um, but, you know, a Imagineering is a much more collaborative, um, very, very, very collaborative, um, you know, endeavor. The, the things they do there, you know, you're working with a wide discipline of people. Every project is a little different. And I sensed that. I saw that and I got a little taste of it. And it actually fit my personality a lot better. I love working with people. I love the energy sure. of being with people. Uh, I'm also, I'm a musician. I play in bands. I'm a drummer. I still play to this day. I've been oh, wow. playing since I was nine years old. And I, you know, and I often draw the analogy between being a musician and playing in a band and working on a big project because it's always about the everybody working together to create the end result yeah. um, and listening to each other and, um, and knowing when, you know, when to contribute and when to lay back. And I mean, a lot of, I've learned a lot of great, but I didn't do sports. I think a lot, I think sports teaches you the same thing too. Um, I think it's always good to be involved in some kind of, you know, group activity where you're understanding there's a dynamic there that's bigger than you and then how you work with that. Sure, that dynamic. Yeah. And that's what I, and that's what I saw at Imagineering. And I loved that. So um, it was actually through Tony Baxter, who was working on um, Euro Disney at the time. And um, <clears throat> I was also doing some, like, these little Epcot films, and he saw some of the stuff I, I had done. And um, he felt like one of the things that was kind of missing at Disney at the time was, and I even hate to say this, because I don't ever, ever want to compare myself to Mark Davis, but it was that kind of more humorous animation uh, kind of attitude that Mark brought to the work. So um, it was actually through Tony that I moved over to Imagineering. Um, and, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Sure. I, I was given a lot of great opportunities there. I mean, it didn't take me very long. I was only there a couple, 
three years and they gave me Mickey's Toontown to do, which was oh, kind of wow. crazy, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, I was, I was the, the lead designer. I found myself, you know, in charge of, at the time, you know, $140 million land, which wow. was, was quite a bit, you know, yeah, with, yeah. with multiple rides and the little, the little character houses and all So, um, yeah. And then, then from there, just kept getting a, a lot of interesting opportunities. And I always like to try to do the new things, which yeah. was kind of how I got into doing the cruise ships because it's like, wow, you know, Disney's doing cruise ships. That sounds like something cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess I just wanted to ask you another qu- uh, quick question about, you know, your, your, your beginnings. So you started off kind of on the animation side. Did you ever work with anybody who had worked directly with Walt Disney? Oh, my gosh. I was so fortunate. All of my men, first off, all of my teachers at Cal Arts um, were um, Disney artists yep. who worked directly with Walt. And wow. then... Um, I was really fortunate because a lot of my idols, the people that I idolized, like Mark Davis, I can honestly say I actually became my friends and I got to know them, yeah. got to work with them, go to their house, you know, and have drinks with Mark. Wow. Uh, same with Ward Kimball. I loved Ward Kimball's work. So, you know, I got to know Ward and went to his house and rode on his train. And, oh, wow. and actually, when, actually, when Ward passed away, um, I bought a big a big chunk of artwork that he, he had done these really crazy wild um, kinetic art pieces that were shown in, around in some galleries and such. And so I actually bought that, that collection oh, wow. from his estate when, yeah. when he passed on. So, yeah, I was very fortunate. And, you know, and that was, that's one of the things, you know, a, a, the group of us from Cal Arts, we, we often talk about, you know, at the time we didn't realize how, how lucky sure, we were yeah. and what a, an incredible opportunity it was that we were getting taught, you know, from all the guys, we were the ones who were the next generation, you know, we're getting that, that knowledge handed down directly from the guys that worked with Walt. So that was, that was really, really an amazing, amazing privilege yeah, and opportunity. Wow. wow. That's, that is amazing. Wow. That's incredible. So, I guess later in your your Disney career, what was your what was your title and and what were you responsible for? Well, uh, right before I left, uh, not too long before I left, I guess at the peak peak of my career, I was actually a senior vice president in charge of the Tokyo portfolio, mm-hmm. the Hong Kong portfolio, and the Disney cruise ships. Okay. Um, in 2007 and eight were crazy years because, to actually 2007, 2008, 2009, I was um, in charge of those three portfolios. We were actively building the the, the dream and the fantasy. Wow. We were building. We were doing the expansion at Hong Kong Disneyland. <laughs> and we were building Toy Story Mania, and oh, what else were we doing at that time in, in in Tokyo? Anyway, it was crazy. I think in one of those years, I did I did nine around the world trips. I would fly wow. from LA to usually to Tokyo, Tokyo to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Germany because we were building the cruise right. ships yep, yep, in Germany. Yep. And then would head back to L.A. And when I think back and I go, how the heck did I do that? Well, I was a, I was a, a lot younger man at the yeah, time. Sure. It was easier on my body, too. But, um, 
Yeah, that was crazy. So that that was kind of at the peak of my Disney career. It okay. was kind of nutty when I think back on it to be doing that much. But I always, uh, I'm always quick to say, you know, it wasn't about me. It was about the great teams that I had. Yeah. And I always wanted to surround myself with people that were smarter and more talented than myself and just empower them, empower them, empower them to go and do great work. And they did. Yeah. And they always made me look good. And I always made sure I told them that, you know, they did great work and they made me look good. <laughs> um, so it was actually of my own decision to pair back because um, it was too much work. And yeah, I, I handed the like Tokyo portfolio off and then I was just focused on Hong Kong. Um, and then, um, ultimately I was just doing the cruise ships. Um, and then for various reasons, I, I, I decided it was time to move on yeah. and I've been out on my own now for almost four years. Okay. Mostly at a much, much, much slower pace. <laughs> yeah, right. You get to kind of choose your own, uh, your own schedule. That's always. Yeah, nice. exactly. I, yeah. Im- Imagineering to me just seems like the coolest job in the world where you, you just, you get this opportunity to dream, so- dream up something that, you know, might otherwise only exist in your imagination and kind of make it a, a reality. What's that process like where you, you just take an idea and then you just see it all the way through, you know, to, you know, to a, a real thing, a reality. You know, it's interesting. You, at the time when you're doing it, and when you've been doing it for so long, um, it's kind of a job. Mm. I mean, it's the greatest job in the world, but you don't think of what an incredible privilege it is sure, yeah. and how incredible and how, how magical it is to be doing what you're doing. Um, it's only in hindsight now when I think back, just like I was talking a moment ago about how when we, talk, when we think about the fact that we were, we were taught by all these great Disney mentors mm-hmm. that worked with Walt you know, it's kind of the same thing. At the time, you're given the opportunity and you dive in and you do it. Um, but it was a pretty incredible ride that I had. And, and I'm so very proud of the things I did and the opportunities I, I was given along the way. I don't, I don't take it for granted, you know, not at all. Um, it was an amazing and, you know, it was an amazing, amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, um you know, and like you said, and because I was a hands-on designer, I mean, I actually did drawings and did designs, and then I would see my drawing and my design turned into a physical thing that then in turn ended up in a park or on wow. a cruise ship yeah. or in a hotel, and to be standing there and watching people interact with something that you created is probably one of the most amazing experiences. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's analogous, it's analogous, you know, having a kid, and then watching your kid grow up, my daughter's now grown up, and she's now a, she's now an art director herself at, at a, a design company. And it's like, wow, you know, I'm so proud of her. You kind of have that same feeling. And even now, when you know, when I go on the, or I see pictures online of something that I did, or somebody calls me and said, hey, we went to the park, and we, you know, we went to Toontown, or oh, we were in Tokyo, or we were in Hong Kong. We loved Mystic Manor. It's like, wow, you know, I think what a great, great great privilege that yeah. was to be able to do do that work and it's and probably and it'll outlive me and be there for a long time you know so sure. it's like you know not many people get that opportunity right. to, to and i don't say this like in that. a bragging yeah yeah exactly and i don't say that in a bragging way because I'm, I'm very well aware of the fact that that it was a privilege sure. you know and that i'm honored to have been able to do it yeah 
That's great. So it, uh, it sounds like Disney Cruise Line was a, a major uh, area of responsibility for you. What were You mentioned the dream and the fantasy. What were some of the other Disney Cruise projects that you were involved with? Well, I was I was actually on the Magic at the very very start. Back I I think we I first started working on the Magic like in ninety six oh, maybe okay. ninety five or ninety six. Um, you know, Disney at the time Imagineering really initially wasn't involved with the design. It was, at that time there was Imagineering. There was the Disney Development Company, and Disney Development did all of the hotels. And resorts. Oh, okay. It was very, it was, yeah, it was very, um, it was very segregated. It was them and it was us. And they had done a lot of initial work on the ships. And they were trying, at the time, before Disney got into the cruise market, there was really no family cruise line. Um, yeah, right. It was, I think it was called American, I think it was called like American Cruises. And they had licensed, first they had licensed Disney characters. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then, when Disney knew that they were going to start doing building their own ships, they pulled the license from them. And then Warner brothers, um, they had, they had licensed Warner brothers characters, but I mean, it was, in fact, they had, it was funny early on because my first assignment on the magic, um, and actually I'm getting ahead of myself. I should get back. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to my first assignment. Um, we, so initially it was, um, Disney, um, DDC, um, that was in charge of the design on the ship. And they had presented a number of designs and a lot of the work they were doing to Michael Eisner, who was the, the CEO at the time. And they were in this quandary because they were trying to create something for the family market, but they also knew that the business, the current business in the cruise industry was all about young people and old people, and mm-hmm. they didn't want to alienate them either. So they, had, they were very, very shy about putting Disney on the ship. And, um, and so when Michael Eisner saw a lot of the early work, he said, well, aren't these Disney cruise ships? He goes, where's the Disney? Because they, they shied away from using characters. They shied away from whimsy. They shied away from a lot of the things that have now become signature on the ships. Um, and so it was at that point they brought um, Imagineering in. They said, well, let's, let's have the Imagineers take a look at it. And so a group of us, um, it was about five or six of us working at it at the time. At the time, Eric Jacobson was in charge of the Florida portfolio, and for whatever reason, it fell under the Florida portfolio. Um, and um, so we started coming up with concepts. We came up with the concept for Animator's Palette. Um, then wow. they assigned me the the kids areas. Oh, wow. And um, and at the time, you know, Disney Toy Story had just come out. Mm-hmm. Um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids had just come out. So these were like big properties, big IPs. And so we took those and ran with them. Both the original, none of the original play areas are there anymore because right. we, up- yeah, right. we updated them yeah. all. But if, if you remember the original one, we had the little play area that had Buzz Lightyear on it, and we had um, the. Um, uh, the uh, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids little microscope uh-huh, there. Yep, I mean, yep. we had a lot of references to that product that was big at the time. Um, I even remember um, working on the designs for the lobby, the atrium. Um, we added, I mean, we went through the whole ship and was trying to find out all the areas where we could add little bits of Disney magic to it. Yeah. Um, so that was back in 90... Like I said, back in probably ninety six or ninety seven, and and a lot of the work that we did on the magic also ended up on the wonder. 
I actually sure. ended up going to Italy and spending um, a month there working in the hold of the ship um, with uh, the crews there on the Disney Magic. I didn't work in the field on the on the Wonder, um, and that was really great. That was great fun. Um, and then uh, and then I went on to other things. Uh, and in two thousand and Six, I think it was 2005 or 2006. Um, I got the call that they wanted me to take over the design of the dream and the fantasy. Um, Wing Chow um, was considering retiring and wanted to slow down. And he had been in charge of the design for Imagineering. And at that point now it was a a full-fledged Imagineering project. Um, DDC and Imagineering at some point had had merged together and okay. I think DDC went away completely. Um, so they had done at the time when I inherited the project, there had been um, quite a bit of work done on it, but there was still a lot of, a lot of decisions to be made. And once again, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot, there wasn't, you know, we had learned that, you know, who our audience was and, and had evolved the product, yeah, sure. you know, to really be the great product it is today. Cause I don't think, you know, there's no other ships that are so purpose-built just for families, right, you know, yeah, with yeah. the great kids areas, with the thought to how we put the, the upper decks together to get, you know, water play and kids play areas and family play areas and adult play areas. Well, that's not play, <laughs> adult rest areas, but <laughs> yeah, um, you, you know what I'm saying in <laughs> yeah. terms of really thinking about really understanding our audience and really understanding how to, you know, fashion the experience for that, that cruise audience, for yeah. the family audience and for the Disney fans, because there's a huge expectation, Definitely. you know, and that, I think that I, I still remember what, what, what Michael Eisner said in that one meeting. He goes, when, when you put the name Disney on something, it comes with this giant expectation, yeah. Yeah. you know, I'm going to, it's fantasy, it's magic, it's the Disney characters and it's storytelling. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that was the one thing. I really pushed for and tried to infuse and in everything we did was story. Even if it were things that were unbranded, like on the, um, both on the dream and the, and the uh, fantasy, the, the adult areas, even though they're not Disney branded, yeah. they're not like Disney stories. We still came up with a story, which is Disney. You know, for me, you know, story is at the core of everything Disney did, does, and probably will ever do. So, like, you know, on the adult area, on the fantasy, we said, you know, we want to create a, a trip, you know, a trip through Europe in one night. Mm-hmm. And then we started talking about what would be all the iconic things that you'd want to go. Oh, we want to go to a disco in London. Oh, we want to go to a piazza in, um, in Italy. And, oh, we want to go to a really nice champagne bar yeah. in, in France. Yeah. You know, and, and then really thought about what would be the essence of those experiences both in terms of the things you'd want to do and the way it would look. So, um, and then, so, so my, my, I inherited the project, but I really felt like I really got to put my stamp on those two ships, the fantasy probably more than the dream in terms of, you know, the, uh, the amount of experiences and the kind of Disney stuff that, like I said, you know, if I'm a guest, you know, and I see Disney, what, what, what's my expectation? I better, I better deliver on that. Like, like the enchanted portholes, you know, 
And I remember the fun we had coming up with the and especially oh, wow. you know, that any anything where I got to bring my animation, sure. my old animation background into things, I always loved. Like so, that was one of the things I really had fun with. Yeah. And uh, the the midship detective agency that was so much fun coming up with the ideas for for the finding the puppies and the thing with Nikki and yeah. and then again it was another childhood dream come true to get to work with the Muppets. I, I actually, I, I, I worked with, um, the Muppets in, the um, in the late seventies, early eighties, during the time when Disney was actually going to buy the Muppets when Jim Henson was still alive. And I was actually fortunate enough to meet Jim, uh, cause I was working on, the on the, um, we were in the, the, the Florida project, which ultimately had Muppet vision 3d. There was also going to be a dark ride as part of that. And, I was the lead designer on the dark ride. So I got to work with, um, the Muppet designers and I actually got to meet Jim a couple times, which was really cool. Um, but never got to meet the actual Muppets. (laughs) And so when we did, when we did the, um, the game with the Muppets on the fantasy, I got to sit in the studio, you know, for three days, you know, and play with Kermit and, and, uh, Gonzo (laughs) and the crazy chicken. Oh, wow. Um, so that was super, super, super fun. Um, cool. So the, I mean, these, the dream and the fantasy are sort of like your babies. That's, you know, kind of watch them grow up from, uh, from the very beginning. That's, that's so cool. And and I actually, I I got to go to Germany. Um, I spent, like I said, I would, I, I didn't, um, actually live there, but I would spend weeks on end there, especially towards the, um, end of the, you know, as we were really getting into the finishes on, on the ships, we would have multiple vendors, um, they're called outfitters. You know, we would do the designs and then we had outfitters. Um, the ship was divided up in at least five or six big, um, outfitting areas, we called them. And, um, and so we would do full-size mock-ups like we did full-size mock-ups of big portions of animators palette to see how the lighting was going to work like on the giant um, paint brushes. And we did um, full-size mock-ups for the kids areas, even for like the atrium, you know, and and how some of the columns and things would work. And then all that stuff got thrown away. I remember I was (laughs) saying, wow, this would make a great attraction just walking through this warehouse (laughs) with all these great, (laughs) all these great mock-up pieces. And most of them, we put lighting in them. Like we, we did portions of some of the bars from some of the adult areas, you know, all, all lit out. But that was kind of the contract document too, that the, um, that the vendors and um, outfitters would use to get their buy off. And then, and then they would go ahead and manufacture sure. and, um, the actual pieces that would end up on the ship. Very cool. So this is something that just, I've always been extremely interested in. So can, maybe, can you take us behind the scenes a little bit of a, a new ship build? I mean, I could just picture being in a meeting where you find out we're, you know, we're building a new cruise ship, but, now what? I mean, you have this this ship has a limited <laughs> amount of square footage. You can only pack so much in. So, where do you where do you start with a project that size? You know, who sets the vision on what what uh, what it's what's going to be on it? Well, you know what? You're, this is going to sound very unromantic, but it's very it's actually kind of academic. Oh, okay. Um, and we there's a thing called a GA, and the GA is what breaks down each of the decks. And I mean, because there's things that you know. First off, you've got you know all the all the back of house stuff. You got to have room for 
you know, all the, the support systems, the engines, the, all that stuff, you know, so that takes up a certain amount of the GA. Then, you know, there's a, <clears throat> we knew that we were moving up from, in terms of almost doubling the size of the, the, the magic and the wonder. And so, you know, you have X amount of guest rooms that you have to fit in. And then, you know, the finances says you need so many with, uh, with balconies, yep. um, you need a concierge deck, and then you got to make sure you're going to feed everybody. And that means right. that there's kitchens, and that means that you have to have dining rooms uh-huh. and how many dining rooms. And then we made the decision that we were going to go with two pay-up upscale restaurants, both Remy's and, and, and um, Paulo's. Right. So, like I said, it almost became, becomes a little bit of an academic exercise of first just figuring out these are the things that we need in yeah. order to make the ship run. These are the things that we need to make it, you know, financially feasible. And then you start, then you start having fun. Then you start playing. Okay, what are the dining rooms going to be? What are the gotcha. themes of the dining rooms going to be? What is the design of the dining rooms are going to be? Oh, we're going to do another animator's palette. Great. How do we up the ante and make this one even better than what we had before? Okay. Like I said earlier, we got adult areas. Okay. What are the things that we want to do in the adult areas? So that's kind of the behind the scenes. You you start with kind of the very academic, this is what you need to make the ship work and to make money. And then from there, then you, you start playing and putting the icing on the cake and having fun with sprinkling pixie dust on it. That makes sense. Um, So in terms of kind of the fun stuff, I I can imagine there are probably hundreds, if not thousands of ideas that are floated. How do you, how do you narrow those down and, 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 you know, to those that ultimately make the final cut and I guess how are ideas shared and, and how are decisions made? What's, what the, what's that process like? Oh gosh. There's, I always said there's no straight line to a decision at Disney. <laughs> 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 because, you know, the reality is it's a, it's a great big corporation and there's lots of voices in that yeah. big corporation. There's lots of people that, you know, that you have to please, um, you know, and and there's also you know practical things like operations. You know, you may come up with a crazy idea, and then and then you throw it in front of the people that are sure. actually going to have to operate the ship, and they go, "Oh, that's never going to fly." Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, God, yeah, it's that's a difficult question yeah. <laughs> to answer. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? Right. laughs> yeah. And and every and because you know each area on the ship, just like doing projects, every project you do is different from the project before, and even. Even when, you know, you're, quote, you know, replicating a project, like I did the second Splash Mountain in Tokyo, and, you know, it was supposed to be, quote, replicated. But then, you know, we found there were all these code issues that, that changed, you know, major design elements like the, the Japanese didn't want because they're a more shy society. They didn't like the idea of, of inline seating in the, in the ride vehicle, so we had to do side-by-side seating. We then made the, 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 the actual um, plume bigger, and then that affected the sets. And I mean, you know, so, so there's always, you know, always these considerations that come into play when you're, when you're designing something. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So one of the... Anyway, well, I think, oh, I'm sorry. Go on. No, go on. <laughs> I, no, I was just gonna say one of one of my favorite things about the dream and the fantasy is the aqueduct. So, were you involved in in that project? Did you, you know how did how was that idea dreamed up? Well, 
it started originally as again it's one of those things that kind of evolved out of need okay and out of the function of the ship yeah um deck space is very very precious um you know every square inch on the ship is precious i mean part of it it's it's one of the most um disciplined design um design um, endeavors because unlike you know, like the theme park, you know, you sometimes you'll have a plot of land, you know, you can make it a little bigger, a little smaller. I mean, um, but the ship, it's like every inch has to be accounted for and you want to make the most out of every inch and especially on the upper decks, because it's, as you know, you've been on these cruises. It's one of the most popular places on the ship. Yeah, and I always, definitely. and it's a place too where a lot, a lot of family time is spent. People are together on those decks. So we always wanted to maximize room on the deck. So the original idea for the aqueduct was a lazy river oh, okay. and it was on the deck level, but you can imagine how much deck space right. it took up. So somebody, and I can't remember who they are, and if I knew who it was, I would have given credit right now, said, well, gee, why don't we elevate the Lazy River? And it was one of those, oh, wow. (laughs) But then, you know, it's like, you know, as Walt Disney said, it's fun to do the impossible. And somebody immediately said, you know, that's like the most impossible idea ever. Because first off, water is so heavy. And on a cruise ship, you want to have most of your weight in the lower part of the ship because you want ballast that keeps the ship stable. And here we're we're proposing this crazy idea to put all this water on the upper deck, but not only on the upper deck, but then to elevate it. So I think it was, I'm trying to remember the name of the, um, the company that we hired. Um, It was one of, one of the, the big slide companies and I don't want to throw a name out there and be wrong because it would be it would be insulting to them. But I got to give a lot of credit to them because they did they did tons of mock-ups wow. and worked the engineering. Um, it really is an engineering marvel. And when you think about it, you know, to get to put that much water elevated in a big acrylic tube, and then we used um, you know we used that master blaster technology. Um, where you know you 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 actually shoot people uphill, so that just added another another you know level of complexity to the to the whole thing as well. Wow. Um, yeah. So once again, it was kind of, it was kind of you know it grew out of a need and then out of you know uh, finding a solution to a problem. And the problem was maintaining as much or. We're not eating up all the deck space, so somebody said, "Just lift it up." All right, that's, <laughs> and then you got the aqueduct. That's awesome. Have you had a chance to, yeah. to ride on it yourself? Oh my gosh, yes! I yeah. was one of the first to ride on it. Nice. In fact, I, I remember the day I, I had. We were in Germany, and it was like, oh my god! It wasn't snowing, but it was freezing cold. Yeah. So they had wetsuits for us, <laughs> and so we all donned oh, our wetsuits, including it was great. It was, the um, the the president, the owner of the shipyard, uh, um, Bernard Meyer, was a great guy. I mean, he he was just so thrilled to be doing these Disney ships yeah. because he had, you know, he had been doing he had been doing a lot of cruise ships, but nothing with all this kind of crazy fun stuff that we were putting on our sure. our ship. So he was like a kid in a candy <laughs> store. And I remember that day that that day when they said, "Okay, we're going to," they you know they had been doing testing on it. We weren't certainly not one of the first people to go on it but but i think we were the 
the first non-engineers to to go on it, yeah. and um, and Bernard was just so excited, and we were all up on that upper deck, and it was freezing cold, <laughs> and we put the wetsuits on, wow. and got to ride through it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. What about um, what about Castaway Key? Did I see on your website that you were involved with that project? Yes, I was, because. Um, yeah, in fact, I remember sitting in the first brainstorm for Castaway Key at, at Imagineering. Again, that's when DDC was still involved. But by by time we started working on Castaway Key, um, we had Disney Imagineering had become very active and a very a very integral part of the um, the whole cruise uh-huh. uh, design process. So. Uh, in fact, I remember I, I went and I bought a bunch of cheesy. There was a there was a uh, like a, a party store not far from Imagineering in Glendale, yeah. and I bought like these uh, these cardboard cutout palm trees <laughs> and monkeys <laughs> and uh, those, they were like big cutouts of these big tropical drinks. Yeah. And I remember I, dec- I decorated the whole room, and then the guys from DBC came in. It's like. <laughs> they looked over. They looked at me like, gave me this strange look. I said, "Well, you know, I'm trying. I'm getting us in the mood. You know, this is going to be a tropical island, and you know, this magical castaway place." Yeah. And again, you know, we started with big ambitions uh, initially. You know, trying to again do more. I'm not going to say theme parky things, but certainly more involved. But again, the the thing that we kept having to go back to and remember that. Castaway Key had this natural beauty about it that, yeah. and in fact, the reason why they chose that island was because of that incredible Half Moon Bay snorkeling mm. area yeah, yeah. and the ability. The other thing that sold the island was the ability to actually um, bring the ship right to shore. You know, most most of the other cruise ships up to that time, you'd ha- you have to tender guests off to the island. So it was a really big plus that we found an island that allowed us to bring the ship right up to the island. Um, and the other thing we had that we learned quickly was, and it's sad, and because it just happened recently too, you know, that's it's right in the middle of Hurricane Alley, yes, yes, yes. you know, and so it's you can't go too crazy with stuff, and what you do build has that's to be pretty, point, yeah. has to be pretty bulletproof. So you know, it threw a little, like I said, we had grand schemes, grand ideas, and it threw a little bit of a a wet, a wet blanket over some of those. But yeah. I think in the end we, you know, we had fun and I, like I'm proud to say, you know, I worked on the original master plan and wow. choosing like, you know, where we were going to put the, the, the teen beach. And we got this beautiful beach that's more isolated. We're going to make that the adult beach, you know, and, uh, you know, the most central area, that's where we're going to put the food location, just like designing the ship. You kind of have to start off on a very kind of nuts and bolts, you know, uh-huh. there's yep. things that yep. you need to have yep. there to service the guests. And then you work from there to add the, the frosting on the cake and put the pixie dust on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say you got, you, you all did an amazing job. The Castaway Key is one of my <laughs> favorite places in the world. It's absolutely stunning. So, uh, I, and I, and then I got to go back when we were, you know, when we were about to launch or prior to launching the, the dream and the the fantasy we knew we were going to need more capacity yeah. on the island. Yeah. So that's when we built the cabanas and that's when we built the additional food areas. And that's when we added the new, the new water play area, which was, that was kind of interesting because we actually, we designed it and we had it built in Georgia and then they actually had to put it on a barge oh, wow. and, and, and barge it, it up to, <laughs> and float it down to the, 
down to the island. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> which, which was interesting. And it was cool because during that period, I, I got to um, I got to stay on the island overnight a few times, yeah. which not many people get to do. Oh, wow, that's cool. And, there's, and it's it's absolutely magical I at night oh, because it's so it's so quiet, and there's so many stars in the sky. Although there's this, there's this, there's this one period where you cannot go outside because. The, the mosquitoes and the sand fleas all come out. Really? Oh <laughs> yeah. So, so, so yeah. Which is one of the reasons why we never really, uh, there were many reasons actually why it was never developed into an overnight yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was one of them. Okay. But I got to tell you, it, it's true. It's kind of eerie and magical. On that oh, wow. Night. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, that, oh, that would just be a dream come true. Um, it was, uh, so it was announced at D23 recently that Joe Rohde is going to have a pretty big role in the development of, um, the new Disney cruise destination at, at Lighthouse Point. Um, do you know, Joe, have you talked to him at all about that project? Oh my gosh. Joe and I go, in fact, when I first started in Imagineering in, uh, well, I moved over to Imagineering in 87. And um, at my office, we really wasn't an office. It was an area back in the model shop. And Joe Rohde was had the little cubicle next to me. <laughs> so he was no one of the first people like, I got to know. And it was fun because at the time, he was working on um, the Adventurers Club down at Walt Disney World. Uh-huh. This is now gone, unfortunately. But I remember walking in and putting my stuff on the desk and looking over. And he had, he had shrunken heads and little strange globes <laughs> and all this this stuff and no i've known joe for years and yeah. we, we've we've worked on a few things together together mostly in brainstorms and high level you know kind, kind of things but um yeah not, yeah i had heard that he got put on that and, and i think he's the right choice because actually one of the last things i worked on before i left disney was um trying to find the the new island for the cruise line and we were we were um in discussion actually on a couple a couple islands um and uh, one of the things that working with the Bahamian government, they were very, very vocal about putting um, more emphasis on the culture, uh, the Bahamian culture, the local, the local people. And probably nobody does that better than Joe. Mm. You know, I mean, what he did at Animal Kingdom, mm, you know, great. is amazing in terms of, you know, the, the level of authenticity. I think Joe is probably best at bringing real authenticity to an experience same sure. way he, well, he did that in, at Alani same thing so uh, it was no when I heard that Joe had that they were going to bring Joe in it wasn't a surprise because I knew from the work that I had been doing on the island that that was a big desire on the part of the Bahamian government that this this new island was going to was going to have this component that was more about the locals and really celebrating the authenticity of that part of the world yeah yeah that's great. So uh, the there's you know obviously Disney Cruise Line is uh, building three new ships. Um, one is coming in 2021. Just knowing what you know about the the process of you know building and designing a cruise ship, where do you where do you think they're at in the the planning and design process? I mean, is it at this point would they be pretty much completed with it, or is it sort of a an evolving thing? And um, you know, I guess. How much? How 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 close to the actual build are you still doing designs and things like that? Well, I, I can say this: after the the initial build starts, you, we were still doing design, but oh, it's wow. more um, it's more nuancey things like you know 
choosing carpets maybe and doing uh-huh. furniture, you know, that was really fun. We, <laughs> we had, we had a whip. We had a warehouse in in Germany, uh, not not far. It was actually part of the shipyard, but it was a little a little a little ways away from when we were actually building the ship. Where we would do the we called it the butt testing, and that was basically <laughs> bringing in samples of all all the chairs, yeah. all the stools, anything that you would sit on, um, and and we would go through and you know test it all yeah. out to see how it was working. So yeah, so that kind of work continues after the initial design is done, you know, and actually I got to say back when we'd finished the fantasy, we had, we had already started initial talks about what the, about the next ships. And again, it was going back to the GA process. Um, and looking at, cause at that time, at least that we were, they were exploring the idea of maybe even going a little larger with the ships. Um, Mm -hmm. again, I've been away from Disney for, for almost four years now. So I don't know how much of that, that early work that we did, if yeah. any of that got incorporated, but I'm, I am sure they're well. And if they're already announcing, you know, with, with the, uh, I saw there were some renderings of the, the atrium, the rendering of the, uh, of the Stern character with uh, Rapunzel and the Stern. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're pretty far along. I can guarantee you, you know, they've got, um, they probably started some level of construction that they probably have the whole, the whole ship at least initially designed in terms of those more functional things and wow, probably yeah. well into some of the more designy things as well. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I <laughs> wanted to, I wanted to ask you something about um, the older ships in the fleet right now. So obviously the, the magic and the wonder are, uh, are getting old. I think the magic just turned 20 years old. If I, if I remember correctly and the wonder is not far behind. Do you think, Disney will continue to make updates or, you know, what, what do you think Disney should or will do with these ships as they continue to age? Do you think they'll just continue to, you know, to modernize them and, and reimagine them? Well, you know, that was a big, excuse me. That was a big point of conversation with us when I was still involved, you know, cause the reality is the average life of a cruise ship is about 20 to 25 years, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I'll say this, you know, nobody maintains ships like the way Disney does. You know, I think I free, I'm trying to remember the cadence we were on the cycle, how often we would do complete dry docks. <clears throat> I think it was every five years, you know, uh-huh. where we would, you know, you have to take the ship out of the water. And then we always use those opportunities to go back in. Like the last dry dock I worked on was on the, um, Again, it was on the wonder, yeah, because we went in and we put, we put the, the we changed completely changed out the kids areas. Mm-hmm, we added mm-hmm. the aqua lab area yep. on there, which we had done to the to the magic before then. Um, yeah, so that I, you know what, that's it's a good question. Um, I think those ships are still, in terms of the the experience that they provide, they're still very they're still very vital. Absolutely. You know, and you know we. And we continue to upgrade things, you know, both in terms of adding, you know, up-to-date IP. Like, again, one of the last things we did, and I was actually proud to say, post-Star Tours, which was the first, you know, Disney-Lucas thing ever done, the first thing that was actually done after Disney acquired Lucas and Star Wars was the little Millennium Falcon play area that we did on the... Yeah, uh, cool. On the... On the re on the uh, on the dream. Yeah. So um, I was pretty proud of 
fact that I got to play with that and work on that. Um, but yeah, I, you know what? That's a good question. You know, if, if the ships are well maintained and they're willing to keep investing in them, as you can imagine, it, you know, there's a lot of wear and tear on on a cruise ship. You know, it's sitting in in a corrosive <laughs> element <laughs> in our right, salt exactly. water. Yeah, right, right, you know, right. with with thousands of people using it, and uh, you know, so there's a lot, a lot of maintenance involved in those kinds of things. But awesome. I, I really, I guess, I really. I really don't know the answer to your question. Okay, that's that's all right. I thought that was I thought that was great. I have two more questions for you, if you don't mind. Okay, um, no, no problem. So I I I'd imagine if if you've had ideas that never made it to production, do, are, are there any that stand out to you that you, that you wouldn't mind sharing? Uh, let me think of the ones I could. Well, you know what? When we were <laughs> when we were looking at. Um, the, I think it was the dry dock for the um, Wonder because on the we first we did the dry dock on the, the major dry dock on the Magic first and we did the um, the the drop slide. Remember the, we have the big drop slide that we yeah added the aqua, the aqua the dunk funnel. yeah the aqua dunk and um, so we were playing around with there was there were a lot of discussions around whether or not we wanted to duplicate that on the wonder or if we wanted to come up with something else. And I remember working with some of the, the water slide people and coming up with some pretty crazy stuff. You know, once you do something like the aqueduct and even the aqueduct, you know, they're all, and the the twist and spout. I mean, the water play on ships is a big deal and trying to up the ante and come up with the next thing is, you know, was always a big challenge. So I remember I came up with this one crazy idea of a reverse, of a reverse water, rather than being dunked down in the water, you got in at the bottom, and then it actually kind of shot you up a big acrylic oh, cool. tube. <laughs> <laughs> I remember working with the engineers, and we could. They never. I said, "Hey, come on, guys! You were able to make the the you know the aqua um, the aqueduct work. Come on, yeah. see if you can make this one work." Uh, Feels like you had uh, you had gravity up. in your favor on the other ones, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We were working against gravity on this one. Yeah. It's sheer amount of water and pressure that you need to do it. But I thought, oh, that would be so cool. You know, it'd be like in those movies where you know somebody is like riding on the top of a geyser. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that'd be awesome. Yeah, and I could picture like Donald Duck doing that or something too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, so that, Coming from animation, I always thought like in cartoon terms, you know. Yeah, right. But um, yeah, so that we we never got that one to sure, work. Yeah. But that's I guess that's an example of something yeah. that we we tried to do. It was kind of crazy. Very cool. So I guess thinking back on your your career w- with Disney, what's what's maybe the most rewarding thing for you about being a Disney Imagineer, and what are you what are you most proud of? You know, I get asked that question often, and, um, you know, even though I only have one child, um, I think it's, you know, people that have multiple children usually have the answer, you know, oh, who's your favorite child? We say, well, you love them <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, right. And that's kind of how I feel about everything I did. There was, everything had its own, its own challenges, and everything had its own rewards. You know, some were bigger rewards, some were smaller rewards in terms, you know, how how they were accepted by the public and how endearing they are and if they're still around and, you know, so, um, but I, 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 I will say that the working on the cruise ships and I, I'll say this and anything that, that was innovative and hadn't been done before or that Disney hadn't done before, yeah. 
I was always interested in that. Was you know, so I can I can say with pride that you know I worked on the first two cruise ships for Disney, which yeah. were the, were very innovative, right. where, where we came up with a lot of the ideas that now are core to the whole Disney cruising experience. Um, you know, I did the first miniature golf courses down at Walt Disney World, which were the first oh, for cool. for Disney. Um, you know, so. Yeah, I, it's 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 a, it's it's hard to say. It was like I said, everything had had its rewards and its cha- challenges. Some challenges were bigger, some rewards were bigger, but it was all an incredibly amazing ride. And like I said earlier, you know, it, I feel very honored and privileged to have been given the opportunities that I had, and to be able to work with the incredible, amazing smart, super talented, super dedicated, super passionate people, you know, that yeah. made, that always made me look good. And that I, I would always look forward to, to working with, I get up in the morning and go, well, I can't wait to get with this team and, and, you know, hunker down and come up with something great. Sure. Yeah. Um, wow. So what does a, a former Disney Imagineer do, uh, in his spare time after he is no longer an Imagineer? <laughs> oh i got all kind of, i got my hands in all kinds of interesting things right now yeah. that i'm really not at, at liberty to talk about but that, you know yeah, you can't okay. turn it off yeah, yeah yeah you know you can't turn it off uh i got a lot of little pet projects that i'm working on on my own and i'm doing work for a number of people around the world right now which is kind of fun i mean the good the good news is once you have the disney calling card yeah you know you don't have to go looking for work sure, people yeah. call you yep, yep. which is really nice and it's you know, I get to kind of pick and choose yeah. what I want to do now. Yeah. And and I got to be honest, I'm getting older and I'm kind of slowing down a little bit and enjoying life more. I got a second home in Spain now. So my wife and I, we, we kind of split our time between LA and, and Spain. So that's, awesome. that's kind of nice. Yeah. Good for you. Well, Joe, that's all I have for, for tonight. Again, I, I, I just can't thank you enough for coming on the show. This was so much fun for me, and it was a, a real privilege to, to be able to speak with you. So thank you so much. Oh, it, was, it was an absolute pleasure, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, yes. And if, if sometime in the future you were willing to do this again, I, I feel like there's there's so much more I could ask oh you. Oh, my God, yeah. We, we barely scratched the surface <laughs> right. of all the stories. <laughs> right. Well, thanks again, Joe. I, I really appreciate all it, right. and uh, take care. Okay, Wes. All right. All right, you take care, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. As a reminder, you can connect with the show by following along on Twitter at the DCL Dude or by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DCL Dude Podcast. Please feel free to ask a question or leave a comment or share the podcast with your followers. I'd also be very grateful if you could rate the podcast on iTunes uh, and leave me some feedback. And of course, if there's anything I can do to improve your listening experience, please let me know. Thanks so much for listening.